Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Warning, this podcast contains explicit language. Hi, I'm Stoya. I write and I used to make video pornography. And I'm Rich Jezwiak. I'm a writer who frequently focuses on sex and significant others. Welcome to the How To Do It podcast, where we try to help you with all of your sex and relationship issues twice a week. You can ask us anything about sex or your bodies or dating etiquette or whatever. We're here to help. So expectations. Some people have very few and some people have many. Yeah. My friend told me I sound like Yoda when I say this, but I've been saying there is no should, there only is. Because I believe that expectations can really disappoint you. You know, people have a vision of like what things should be and it kind of can distract from what is actually happening, what actually is. And I think you kind of have to accept the reality now. That said, this is kind of an argument against goals in a way, which is also its own problem because you can't really accomplish a lot without a goal in mind. And what is a goal but a like a dearly held expectation. All of my anarchist fur hairs are standing up. Um, so <laughs> I'm, just, I'm over here making faces. I'm like, it's the capitalism of the whole thing. Um, so the goal can be growth. The goal yeah, can be staying where you are and relaxing. The goal can be spending a moment together without worrying what time it is or what else you have to do later, just touching each other and making each other feel good. Like that can be the goal and this idea of like, oh, things are supposed to be like this. We have to meet these criteria. How's my job performance? And then you get into the poly thing with like the spreadsheets. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> I, this is my break from capitalism. Yes. Right? This is not like, I, I do not want to feel like I'm out of corporate nine to five when I'm enjoying sexual recreation. Which is a terrible thing, or, or at least a, not a particularly... Um advantageous thing to have during sex when ideally you're kind of in this flow state where you know time is kind of melting and and all of the external concerns or whatever can like kind of drop away for that moment of time that's kind of the point to me so to be bringing this baggage into bed of what should and is this perfect whatever these expectations that you have on yourself and others can really get in the way of a good time. They can. And one of the things that comes up a lot in the column questions we see is difficulty having an orgasm. Yes. Difficulty letting go and being in the present to let your body do the cool thing that feels good and releases awesome chemicals in your brain. Yep. And so it's so self-defeating. Exactly. And, and you know, one of the hardest lessons to learn sometimes is to, like make yourself relax, you know, it seems like a contradiction. But if you can kind of 
induce relaxation, you end up having a much better time. And I think that the way that you do that primarily is through this kind of like mental muscle building in which you can like more easily let stuff go, including these expectations that we're talking about. So let's move on to a couple of examples. Yes, of why we're talking about this topic exactly. Dear How to Do It, I recently discovered that my partner of 10 years has been secretly masturbating in our garage. The masturbating part of the discovery isn't the issue so much as the secret aspect. I know that solo sex is a healthy part of a couple's sex life, and I'm fully okay with it. The problem is, our sex life is struggling right now. When we have sex, it's always great. Like, best sex of my life great. There's a strong connection element as well as a physical one. But we've always had mismatched libidos, with mine being generally far higher than my partner's. Or so I thought. Based on his habits, I'm starting to think that our libidos aren't the problem. A confounding factor in all this is that I'm pregnant, and my partner has expressed that my changing physical body has shifted his attraction to me temporarily. It sucks, but I get it. Attraction and desire, or lack thereof, aren't always within one's control. Getting back to the issue at hand, so to speak, after discovering the secretive garage behavior, we had a few conversations about our sex life that I thought were productive. Ultimately, I came away from these conversations with the impression that, moving forward, we'd be more open about sex in general, but more specifically that my partner would communicate to me that he's in the mood before taking matters into his own hand. However, that has not been the case. He is still secretly masturbating in the garage. And when I do initiate sex later, he claims he's too tired. I'm feeling really let down and frustrated that solo sex has become a replacement for something that used to bring us both pleasure and connection. And also, am I wrong to be slightly concerned that there's an element of addiction here? Signed, Let's Do It. So I'm of two minds about the fact that this masturbation is secret and that there is some need for it to be secret. On one hand, the letter writer is kind of paranoid that her husband is keeping this from her because maybe there's some kind of attraction disparity that he hasn't addressed. On the other hand, there could be other reasons why he would be keeping masturbation from her. One of them being that if she finds out that I am doing something completely ethical, she's going to judge me nonetheless, and I'm going to have to explain that. I Mm -hmm. can't tell which is actually happening. It could be a little bit of both. But just because he's being sneaky about it doesn't mean he's doing something wrong. He could feel shame and impending judgment. Yeah, what was coming up for me was very, like, shame. And I just finished Tina Schermer Sellers's Sex God and the Conservative Church. During one of the last rounds of recording, David Lay mentioned the book, and I thought that sounded fascinating. And it's from a Christian licensed sex therapist who is speaking to other clinicians who treat people who have conservative church-induced sexual shame. But as I was reading through it, I was realizing how much conservative Christian ideals are baked into what we think in the United States about sex. 
like even non-religious people, even people of other religions, like the way the law treats sex comes from this conservative framework. And so even if the partner never interacted with the church, there's still probably some textbook shame about polluting oneself through masturbation that is in the mix somehow. And here's what makes that even more relevant is the that our writer asks if there's an addiction element there. And as David Lay explained to us, um, he doesn't believe in sex addiction. He thinks it's kind of a scam that some therapists and other clinicians kind of promote to get people, you know, that they can, quote, fix. And that his argument is that often with sex addiction, when people claim to have or worry that they have sex addiction, it comes part and parcel with overall shame, probably Christian-based or at least religious-based shame. So the problem is not necessarily I'm having too much sex. The problem is I've been socialized and taught that any amount of sex or any amount of sex more than a little or any amount of sex that deviates from missionary one and a half times a week is a problem. And so I think the larger point is to look at someone holistically. Someone says, I have sex addiction, I addicted to masturbation. What else is going on? Because that's probably not the only issue or problem with sex that you have in your life. And people are quick to treat the sex addiction part and ignore all of the other stuff, the entire backdrop that would make someone feel like they were addicted in the first place. Exactly. You know, I think our writer can try to tease out how much of their own judgments around sexuality that they've internalized is involved in their perception and their worry. I think also it's important to talk about partnered sex and solo sex being two different things. Yep. It's like the difference between cooking for yourself maybe a simple stew that's going to have leftovers that you can freeze and making a three-course meal together to enjoy over a bottle of wine. Yeah, both are legitimate meals. Yeah. They're just very different in their essence. I do think that there is sometimes with some people a tendency to kind of lose interest. I mean, obviously, attraction wanes over the course of a relationship if you are monogamous and you, like many humans, crave novelty, we are neophiles by nature, I'd say, masturbation is the arena in which you get to have that. And, you know, I think some people lose the balance and they just start masturbating. That's when they get to live out these fantasies instead of having this one partner that they have had for many, many years. And while that's a beautiful thing, whatever, their libido just wants to feed on newness, basically. One thing that we haven't talked about is kind of the shittiness of being less attracted to your wife when she's pregnant because she is carrying your child. It is a thing that only she can do. It is in many respects a thankless job that that we haven't sorted out as a society. Just what this does to women, how incapacitating it can be for one's life, why there's still an argument about abortion and reproductive rights when 
you know, women just want to have the same freedom as men to live their life as they see it without it being encumbered by a baby. All of this stuff does not get properly honored when someone tells their wife, now that you're pregnant with our child, I'm less attracted to you. With that said, it'll be over in a few months. I imagine that if the partner didn't already feel shame about something, telling his pregnant partner all of this probably inspired some shame. Yes. Yeah, the poor writer. You're doing this group project and you're the only person who can handle like the really hard part of this group project. And then your whole body changes on you. I think it's very understandable that she's writing to us from the place that she's in, you know, stressed out, worried, partially sometimes the like wash of hormones. And that's not to say that pregnant women are crazy. That is to say that our bodies affect our minds. And when our body is going through a change, it has an effect on our brains. Yes. So like giving yourself some patience and kind of taking any worries with a grain of salt. Yeah, and the fact that it's a temporary condition. Like, I know it sucks to ride it out. This might be actually impossible to kind of solve in the, you know, one's current state. Yeah, so um, Julie Holland, MD, wrote a book called Moody Bitches. (laughs) It was great. Talks a lot about the chemicals in our bodies and the effects on our mood and behavior and all of that. And one amazing tip that she had in the book was when you have PMS, write down the things that you're enraged about. Because it's quite likely that once you're in a more like calm and compromising mindset, you can look at that list and go, oh yeah, this is a problem. And that is a problem. Right. And then you can address them during the following like couple of weeks proactively. So it, it might be worth making like a worry list. And then once she's through the postpartum, see has the partner's behavior changed? Are they having sexual interactions again? And if not, then like pull out that worry list and go, okay, what was founded? What has become like an ongoing issue what needs to be worked on yeah a hundred percent so to wrap i think patience for herself is in order and also just holding in her head and and maybe even trying to get the root of the husband's shame because that seems to be playing a major role in this picture and um it's not really being addressed to the degree that i think would be useful Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Okay, let's listen to our next question. Dear How to Do It, any suggestions for oral sex when you have jaw pain and TMJ? I grind my teeth incessantly and have cracked multiple mouth guards and like six teeth so far. I think my jaw may literally be misaligned at this point, and I'll probably need surgery. I'm working on all of that with my dentist and doctors, but in the meantime, I sometimes have very bad jaw pain that makes repetitive tongue motions challenging for long periods. Sometimes I tap out after about five minutes if it's a really bad week. My partner and I have an open relationship, and we've developed workarounds over the years during flare-ups that leave us both feeling good but it's specific to their anatomy and what they like, and I was recently rimming a friend with a penis that led to a lot of jaw pain. I know ultimately communication is the way to go, but I really enjoy casual hookups and can't fast forward to the type of rapport and understanding that I have with my partner with every friend I come across. Technical or mechanical tips and tricks for a range of body parts and body types or script suggestions for how to explain this issue to new hookups would be much appreciated. Signed, Jawbreaker. I would love to be vigorously on top for more than five minutes. Right. But several doctors later, we still aren't quite sure if there's anything to be done about my knee pain. Yeah. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. And with casual hookups, I just say, hey, I can't be on top for very long. Right. Or five minutes in, I'm like, hey, I'm getting tired. Let's switch. It doesn't require, like, an entire life history. A hundred percent. I also think that people, irrespective of their, you know, body's abilities, bring limitations to casual sex. You know, there are some things that you're not going to do because you don't want to do them. And, you know, it might as well be something that you can't do because it's just not going to happen. So you say that up front. Sorry, no anal today. I have diarrhea. You know, I mean, you don't probably don't want to say it. I mean, I, you actually could say that to a perfect stranger. But regardless, I mean, I you know, I, I think like maybe like, oh, my butt's not cooperating is like a softer way to put that. I, I have actually literally said, if you keep pushing in there, I will poop all over you. Uh, <laughs> I think our writer is overly concerned about what they need to communicate to casual partners. I I agree. I mean, this is obviously a somewhat debilitating condition. It only makes sense to kind of flag it. But what can you do? 
that said, I did look up some stuff. Awesome. The TMJ Association, which is tmj.org, has an entire piece about this very subject by a licensed psychologist and sex therapist named S. Michael Plout. And he talked to a bunch of different people with TMJ about their sexual practices and what they have determined could be workarounds. One woman said that you could try different positions to reduce the stress on one's neck, jaw, and facial muscles. She's uh, informing the man in this hypothetical heterosexual configuration. Try sitting on the edge of the bed with her kneeling before you so she is not tipping her head back as much. Never push her head down, and for heaven's sake, hold still and let her control the motions. That seems like it might work for somebody with less severe TMJ. I mean, I don't know what the scale is, but it seems like our writer, five minutes of rimming, that seems like a pretty extreme case of TMJ they have. In addition to varying techniques, this is Plout again writing, some people find that they are more or less comfortable being sexual at certain times of the day, especially if fatigue is an issue or if medications affect levels of interest, arousal, or pain. If oral sex is desired but not possible, there are sex toys that may be used by both partners to provide pleasurable stimulation. Fleshlight. I have to disclose that I have a product (laughs) with Fleshlight, but also the long lick, right? You stick your tongue out, you drag kind of your whole head up, and then you like flip your tongue up towards your nose, and then you do it again the other way. That involves way less of like intricate tongue movements that are connected to the jaw. So it, instead of moving the delicate part, moving the larger part that the delicate part is attached to. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great example of a technique to try. I'm sure all cases of TMJ are different or that there's at least a wide variation within the condition. So even if that particular technique doesn't work, I think you have to be creative. Mm-hmm. And also, maybe at a certain point, just say, look, I can't do that. You know, there are things that some people can't do. What else do you like? I mean, I think it's rough with something that involves the mouth because it's so central to so many, especially like, you know, Western people's sexual practices. But you're a particular case. It just is what it is. And... I think cultivating talent and maybe just interest, you know, because I feel like enthusiasm is is such a big part of sex, like beyond kind of like raw talent. I think doing that in in other areas that don't involve oral will, you know, make you an attractive partner. I will say that, you know, putting your own love of giving oral aside for a second in a gay male context, if, if somebody says... I can't give oral, I just want to receive it. That itself is extremely attractive to a large segment of the population that just wants to suck cock. So in that scenario, you wouldn't have to worry about being rejected. It actually, no recip head is like a thing people want to give. Uh, And I have definitely in queer and fairly heteronormative spaces 
led with, I am here to get my pussy eaten. Yeah, or, exactly. I'm looking to do this particular thing. And and in that case, if, you, if, if this person doesn't feel like explaining their TMJ, that's how they coordinate that hookup, right? Yeah. That's what I want. No kissing. Just do that to me. Well, speaking positively, also going, I'm here for ABC feels a lot more positive than I can't. And I have to find a way to host this video publicly because I refer to it so often. Go Ask Alex did a video for my now defunct adult production studio called Disclosing Disability. She has an ostomy and she talks about, you know, disclosing that with partners and explaining to them how you do want to be touched. And the key takeaway from her video is if you explain it like it's normal and fine, most people will understand it as normal and fine. But if you're like, uh, I've got this like weird problem. I'm so sorry. Then people are more likely to yeah like feel negatively about the situation. You actually have a lot of power in the way you frame things. Yeah, don't make people's judgment for them. Exactly. Being like overly apologetic sometimes, like in an email or whatever, sometimes sets you up to then like get shit on. Whereas if you kind of just like are more straightforward about it and don't self-flagellate you're like a lot better off it's very true it's 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 about packaging a lot of the time and and all of that is kind of rooted in confidence you know lead with what you're good at go with what you know okay that's all for now but we're not done this week slate members get another episode of how to do it on mondays where we answer even more of your questions on tomorrow's episode, you'll hear from a letter writer who wonders if they should tell the girl they're newly dating about what they secretly know about her. To hear that discussion, sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash HCDI plus. If you are in need of sex advice, you can write to how to do it at slate.com slash how to do it. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 347-640-4025 and we may use it on the show. Everything is anonymous and nothing is too weird or embarrassing. Our show is produced by Chow Tu. How to do its editor is Jeffrey Bloomer. Our letter readers are Shasha Leonard and Benjamin Frisch. And if you've been loving the show, please rate and subscribe. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.